Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on his side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to... We've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. And hello, Las Vegas and all peoples listening everywhere. Great to have you with us. You're listening to KVXL 101.1 FM, Experience Liberty Radio here in Las Vegas. Our thanks to those of you tuned in over at the 405media.com as well. Great to have you with us. So some headlines to start the morning. First off, the uh, the primary that was held in Georgia's 6th District yesterday. You, it, uh, you may have seen that in the news. Democrats were hoping that would be their shot to topple the uh, the Republican stronghold there. They needed to hit 50% to do it. They did not. Politico is reporting that Democrats are beginning to wonder when do we win? For all the roiling anger and energy at the grassroots, the party still fell short in Georgia and Kansas, and Democratic prospects in upcoming elections aren't promising. As it became clear late Tuesday evening that John Ossoff would fall just short of the 50% mark in the first round of voting in suburban Atlanta's special election, Democrats back in Washington started leafing through their calendars and asking, when does the winning Start. Ossoff's moral victory, capturing 48% of the vote in a conservative-oriented district, was welcome. But after two successive close-but-no-cigar finishes in House special elections in Georgia and Kansas, a new worry is beginning to set in. For all the anger, energy, and money swirling at the grassroots level, Democrats didn't manage to pick off the first two Republican-held congressional seats they contended for in the Trump era, and the prospects aren't markedly better in the next few House races coming up. The Montana race at the end of May and the South Carolina contest on June 20th. Their best shot at knocking Donald Trump down a peg appears to be Ossoff's runoff runoff against Republican Karen Handel, also scheduled for June 20th. But the Democrat will be an underdog in that contest when there won't be a crowded field of Republicans to splinter the vote. After that, it'll be another five months before the New Jersey and Virginia elections for governor, leaving some strategists and lawmakers wondering how to keep the furious rank-and-file voters engaged in fueling and funding the party's comeback, especially given the sky-high expectations that surrounded Ossoff's ultimately unsuccessful run at the 50% threshold that was necessary to win the seat outright. And then it goes on uh, and continues to talk about whether or not Democrats will win and how this was not a moral victory and so on and so forth, which I find interesting coming from Politico. But I also kind of disagree with it. I think for Democrats to reach 48% in a conservative district in Georgia that has been Republican-held, I, I think that's more than a moral victory. I think that's incredibly troubling. Now, granted, the vote was splintered because there was like a dozen people or something on the ballot, most of whom were Republicans. But the fact of the matter is, this guy, Ossoff, who's not even living in this district, got 48% of the vote. And for Karen um, um, Karen Handel, who's running against him now in the actual election on June 20th, she has to essentially win everybody else. All Ossoff has to do is hold on to his 48% and then hope that Handel doesn't reach that point 
and he could still win this thing. I don't know why everyone's so woo woo. See, Trump's victory is going to propel us further and further into the future and beyond. No, I, I, I don't see that here. I know that's what everyone is saying, and I know Democrats are all in a huff over this, but I, I think this is good news for Democrats. Now, granted, obviously, they would have been rejoicing in the streets if he had won outright, which, uh, and by the way, I should explain that. So the way it works in, in Georgia is similar to how our primary election works here in Nevada. Uh, essentially, you have everyone runs in the primary, regardless of their political affiliation. So you have Democrats running against Republicans, uh, independents, Green Party, Libertarians, you name it, throw them all together. They all run. If anybody gets the majority, they win automatically, period. The end, there's no general election. That's opposed to other states, like my home state of Pennsylvania, where in the primary, uh, Republicans run against Republicans, and that's it. So you pick your favorite Republican, and Democrats run against Democrats. You pick your favorite Democrat. Uh, Green Party runs against Green Party. Pick your favorite Green Party. And then they all run against each other. Getting some static here. If I had a producer, I'd be talking to my producer right now. Maybe I'd just make up a pretend producer. In fact, that would be fun. What should we call my pretend producer? Somebody send me a name for my pretend producer so I can start talking to them because I need I need somebody to deal with the static feedback that I'm getting, but it doesn't look like you guys are getting it, so that's good. Um, but so it's not it's not a matter of we pick our favorite of each party and then they're going to run against each other in a general election. That's not how it works uh, in Georgia. It's not how it works here in Nevada. In Georgia, they all run against each other in the primary. Somebody gets the majority vote. They automatically win, and then there's no uh, general election. Well, that didn't happen here. But I still think, th- and I get it, there are no moral victories in politics, blah, blah, blah. I understand all of that. I'm just saying... I don't think that Republicans should be all like, ha, 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 see, we've done it again. No, no, you haven't. This guy just got 48% of the vote. And Karen Handel, you better put a whole lot of effort into making sure she gets this seat, because if you don't, this dude's going to win. He got 48%. Now, Trump's approval rating is ticking very slowly, but it is ticking upward. Again, slowly. There's a lot that can happen between now and June 20th in the world of politics, and voters are incredibly fickle. So I, I, don't, I don't think either side should be overly ecstatic about this, but if anyone should, I, I think Democrats should be happier with this result, honestly, than Republicans, because hey, that's, that's tough. All he has to do is keep his 48%, essentially. Now, Will he? Who knows? I will more people turn out for the general probably because it's going to get more profile, more uh, high profile. But we'll see. We'll see. If you're in Georgia, you should get informed and get involved. Figure out who it is that most aligns with your values, and then you work your tail off for that person because they're going to need your help. All right, so very sad story uh, from Fresno yesterday. I'm sure you guys have seen this. This is from the Fresno Bee. Uh, Three dead in Fresno shooting rampage. Suspect was caught and linked to a previous Motel 6 slaying. Three men were killed Tuesday morning in a Fresno shooting rampage that police say was carried out 
by a man they had identified only hours earlier as the suspect in the fatal shooting of an unarmed motel security guard last week. The 39-year-old suspect, identified as Corey Ali Muhammad, opened fire on four men, hitting three and missing the fourth before he was taken into custody, police chief Jerry Dyer said. Muhammad, who is facing four counts of murder for Tuesday's shootings and the shooting last Thursday at Motel 6 and also two counts of attempted murder, shouted Allahu Akbar after he spotted approaching officers and dove to the ground on Fulton Street. Dyer said uh, that it's too soon to determine if the shooting rampage was terrorism-related. However, a review of Muhammad's social media shows he quoted the phrase Allahu Akbar. The Arabic phrase translates to God is greater, God is greatest. In addition, Muhammad's Facebook post indicated that he does not like white people and he has anti-government sentiments, the chief said. The four men who were targeted Tuesday were white. So, a couple things on this story. Uh, First of all, obviously our our thoughts and our prayers go out to the families of the individuals that were affected by this lunatic who has clearly been uh, persuaded by things which are not true. But yesterday, as I as I watched this scene unfold on in social media and different news agencies reported it, all of them were reporting that he yelled, God is great. I didn't see a single one of them reporting that he yelled, Allahu Akbar, which is what, in fact, he said. But that is, that is, that is, ugh, that is the media... Attempting to formulate or reformulate your opinion on a story by misreporting it. Because if the media reports that someone yelled Allahu Akbar and then proceeded to shoot multiple individuals, what do you automatically suspect? You suspect that this person is an Islamic extremist, which would most likely be the correct assumption considering that his name is Corey Ali Muhammad and based on his social media posts. But if you say that he yelled, God is great, now all of a sudden, that kind of paints a different picture in your brain, doesn't it? You're like, wait, what? what is this guy doing? That's weird. But okay. And then you don't really think about it. So that's one aspect of it. Now the second aspect of this. He specifically said that he doesn't like white people. And then the three guys that he shot and fourth guy that he tried to shoot were all white people. Now I ask you. If a white guy had yelled, let's say Jesus is God, and then proceeded to shoot four black individuals and had posted on his Facebook page that he doesn't like black people, what do you think the media would be saying today? The media would be talking about the dangers of Christianity and how Christians are hateful, and they would be talking about the great problem 
of white on black racism in our country today and how we have not progressed at all from from the 1960s. That would be it. That would be the story all day long. Actually, it would be all week long. This is all we would be talking about. Instead, it's relegated to a footnote for this gentleman because it's not politically correct. It's not politically correct to talk about the fact that we have uh, someone who is practicing Islam who is killing people in the name of his God, lowercase g, and who is targeting white people because he doesn't like them. And by the way, he's black. I'm going to let you put all those pieces together. But clearly, we have a problem in this country with media narratives, which are very much dishonest and hypocritical. Then we had that other shooting. We had the this guy, um, Steve Stevens, who m- murdered, just, just evil, murdered this older man on Facebook Live. But there was some good news in that story. I didn't, I didn't know this until yesterday, but I, I found it. I, okay, I'm just gonna. It's from HermanCain.com. McDonald's employees helped catch Steve Stevens by making him wait for fries. When Steve Stevens pulled up to a McDonald's drive-thru in Erie, Pennsylvania, one of the employees recognized him and made a quick decision to give him the pullover for fries routine to stall for time while the cops were called. Amazingly, it worked, helping to buy enough time that the cops were able to catch up to him. At about 11 a.m. on Tuesday, Stevens ordered the 20-piece nuggets with french fries at a McDonald's drive-thru on Buffalo Road in Erie, Pennsylvania. An employee recognized Stevens, and employees tried to stall him by pretending his fries weren't ready while they called the police. Stevens drove off just as Pennsylvania state troopers arrived and led them on a chase for about two miles. Carl White Sr., who helped, who watched the chase unfold, said a cruiser rammed Stevens' now infamous white Ford Fusion in front of an abandoned school. The impact popped at least one of Stevens' tires, and as police swarmed the car, Stevens fatally shot himself. Wow. Talk about... I mean, it's easy to make fun of McDonald's workers sometimes, isn't it? You, you know, you've done it. Don't, don't. Don't look at your radio dial like that. You know you've done it. You know you have. My sister worked at McDonald's. A lot of great people work at McDonald's. There's a new movie out about McDonald's, which I haven't seen yet. If anybody has, let me know if it's any good and if it's worth my time. Anyway, you're working at McDonald's, right? I I don't know about you, but I don't personally equate great bravery with McDonald's employees. It's not that I don't think they're good people. I just never really thought about it that way. Probably, if, if you gave me a, a flow chart and said, here, pick the, here are five restaurants. You've got Chick-fil-A, In-N-Out, uh, uh, five, um, no, it's got to be a drive through Chick-fil-A, In-N-Out, uh, Whataburger, Taco Bell, McDonald's. Rate, on a scale of one, rate them uh, as to which employees you think would be the bravest, and so on and so forth. I Honestly, I probably wouldn't put the McDonald's employees at the top. <laughs> All right, somebody's going to get mad, so I need to <laughs> I need to move on. But anyway, so you're working at McDonald's, 
and you recognize this guy as being the Facebook killer that everyone is looking for. I don't know about you, but I think I'd I'd be kind of scared that if I make this dude wait for his french fries, he might get mad at me and sh- kill me. And how stoic do you have to be to be able to look this guy in the eye and lie to him about his fries not being ready to get him to pull over so that you can go and call the cops to come and get him while he's waiting for his fries. That's pretty amazing to me. And I I think it's fantastic. This McDonald's employee, in my opinion, is a hero. I mean, this guy had eluded police for two days in the same vehicle, by the way. Same vehicle that they knew he was in. No one's seen the guy for two days, even though we know what kind of car he has. We know what his license plates are. He hasn't ditched that car for reasons unknown. Clearly not a not a very bright um, murderer. But we can't find him until this McDonald's employee says... I know who this guy is, and good for that employee for being informed enough to be able to recognize him. Be honest with you, I probably wouldn't have. I mean, I've, I'd seen the story, but I, I, I don't, I don't know if I would have recognized him. But this guy did, and he had the presence of mind to make him pull over to wait for his fries. I say, kudos, McDonald's employee. Give that man like if he wants a Big Mac, give him a Big Mac. I don't know. I don't know what he wants, but we should give it to him. Because good, good, good for him. All right, one last uh, story here, and then we will head to a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Chick-fil-A. It's going to be great. But first, from news.com.au. AU is the abbreviation from Australia, by the way. What to eat for breakfast if you want to have a productive date. This is apparently, this, this, is, this is a news story. We're just figuring this out in 2017, April 19th. We now know. Now, what's funny is that this article was written in the future. This was actually written at 3 o'clock p.m. And if you're listening to the show live, it's only 7.20 a.m. How do we do that? Well, it's this magical thing called the Internet, which Al Gore uh, invented once upon a time in a land very far away. Um maybe a galaxy far away i'm not sure but what happens is in australia it's almost tomorrow so they wrote this in the future and by the internet it got sent back to us today this morning and if you're listening to the rerun of the show then it gets all really confusing so i won't even try to explain it to you guys the saying goes that breakfast is the most important meal of the day but apparently only if you eat the right thing. According to William Cole, who specializes in nutrition, what we should be eating first thing is a little unusual. He told Mind Body Green, I'm assuming that's some kind of magazine or online publication, they don't have a link so I can't confirm it for you, that a breakfast crammed with fat is the key to maintaining energy levels throughout the day and eating this way will make you more productive. So what does that mean food-wise? William said the best breakfast is an avocado, salmon, and two poached eggs served on a sweet potato. Oh, if you were here, you would just see me gulp. That just, that doesn't sound great to me. 
Sorry to report there is no bread, no beans, and no sausage involved. He does advise toasting the potato, though. Well, that's good. I'm glad we're not eating it raw with our avocado, salmon, and poached eggs. I actually, I like poached eggs. Salmon, I like avocado. Sweet potato, mm-mm. I'm not a sweet potato fan. I, I can't imagine this combination of flavors being a good thing. But apparently, this is what you eat if you want to have a good, productive day. Uh, The science behind this choice is all about stopping your body from having sugar highs and lows. And on top of that, the brain is actually made up of 60% fat. When we don't have enough good fat, which by the way is not an excuse to eat more chocolate, in our diet, the brain cannot function optimally. It also releases energy slowly and over a long period of time, so you'll find it easier to concentrate and you will be more productive. So there you go. The breakfast of champions is not, in fact, frosted flakes. The breakfast of champions is an avocado, salmon, and two poached eggs served on a sweet potato. I don't, I don't think I will ever be having that breakfast, but if you do, take a picture of it, send it to me. I will share it with everyone that I know on Twitter because you, you will be an amazing person to me if you, if you do that. And welcome back. You're listening to The Frittle Show on KVXL 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio here in Las Vegas. We are continuing on. We're going to talk about Chick-fil-A. Being from Pennsylvania, this is particularly disturbing to me personally. I'm sure you've heard about it by now. But in case you haven't, there are a bunch of college students that don't want Chick-fil-A on their campus. Because why? Because I, we're about to talk about this. Ready? From faithwire.com. College students fight to keep Chick-fil-A off campus, fearing it violates a safe place for LBGTQ. They left off the I. Uh, students. Some students at a private Catholic university in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, are apparently less than enthusiastic about the school's decision to bring popular food chain Chick-fil-A to campus next fall. The Duke, the official student newspaper of Duquesne University, recently covered the brewing controversy in a piece titled Student Group Leaders Concerned About Duquesne Chick-fil-A, noting that the fast food issue was recently taken up at a March student government meeting. The outlet explained at the March 26th Student Government Association meeting, Senator-at-Large Nico Martini proposed that the SGA pass a resolution asking the university to reconsider the inclusion of Chick-fil-A as a dining option for students. Chick-fil-A has a questionable history on civil rights and human rights, he said in a statement to the Duke. I think it's imperative the university chooses to do business with organizations that coincide with the university's mission and expectations they give students regarding diversity and inclusion. The SGA Senate did not pass any resolution but agreed to consider an alternate resolution to vet the Chick-fil-A Express, which senators tabled for the April 9th SGA meeting to allow time to research the concerns. These comments reportedly came after the school announced on March 20th that a Chick-fil-A Express would be included in dining options next fall, a decision that was apparently made based on student requests. It is unclear if the issue was taken up at the April night meeting, as was stated in the article. We haven't heard anything about it since then, really. Uh, more than 245 
campuses around the country, including Catholic University, Penn State University, Drexel University, and the University of Pittsburgh, have successfully brought Chick-fil-A onto their campuses, and more are doing the same in the next several years, Scott Richards, Executive Director of Auxiliary Services, said in the March 20th announcement. Now our students will have the opportunity to enjoy the brand on our campus instead of having to travel to Oakland or the suburbs. Clearly, not everyone was so enthusiastic. Martini purportedly isn't the only person with concerns either, as the Duke reported that the president of Lambda, a gay rights campus group, also has concerns about the restaurant's planned presence, worrying that the safe environment and safe place the organization has worked to create on campus could be in jeopardy. Student government president Olivia Erickson said that the governing body will look into campus concerns over Chick-fil-A by gathering student opinions on the matter, according to the article. The piece did not, however, note that some students, even those who support same-sex relationships, are fine with Chick-fil-A coming to campus and see the restaurant's presence as a good thing. While the article only attracted 11 comments, the majority favored the fast food change. All right. Are you ready for my take on this? (laughs) It's Chick-fil-A. It's chicken. If chicken makes you feel unsafe, well, I mean, if you grew up with roosters, then I understand. If you didn't grow up with roosters and chicken makes you feel unsafe, there are some other things that we should be talking about. Okay? Many other things, in fact. But let me point out three things, all right? Three things. Number one. No one is forcing you to go eat at the Chick-fil-A Express if it comes to campus. In fact, there are a variety of options, both on campus and off campus, where you can eat. Are you ready? Duquesne University currently offers 11 locations where students can dine. They've got a salad place, a burger place, an Italian place, an Asian place, a pizza place, a wraps place, a deli place. Um, they have a, so they have the Hogan Dining Center, the Campus Market, the Incline, the Options Food Court, the City View Cafe, Starbucks, Coffee Tree Roasters, Rockwell Market, Campus Market Express, Freshens, and the Red Riding Bar and Grill on campus. Off campus, in the general area of Duquesne University, meaning you can easily get there if you would like to. You've got Subway, Red Ring Restaurant, Brown Bag Deli, the Super Bowl, how original. Salad Cafe, Capitol Grill, Chinatown Inn, Blue Line Grill, The Commoner, The Carlton, Buford's Kitchen, Cafe Fifth Avenue, Hong Kong Express, Uptown, Mitchell's Restaurant, Crafted North, TGI Fridays, Primati Brothers, Grant Street Tavern, Tian China Walk, Grand Concourse, Lydia's Coffee House, Bigelow Grill, Another Subway, Pizza Milano, Brugger's Bagels, Terrace Room, Crazy Mocha Coffee, uh, Eddie's, Storm's Restaurant and Catering, over 200 places. So many places I can't read off campus, but in the general area. And all those ones I mentioned are less than half a mile from campus, most of them less than quarter of a mile, meaning easy, easy walking distance. Not to mention your 11 places on campus that you have to choose from. So no one's, no one's saying, just because Chick-fil-A comes doesn't mean you have to eat every meal there, let alone any meal there. There are plenty of options for you. 
But what I specifically want to point out right now is, did you catch that Starbucks is on the list as being a a restaurant that is on campus currently at Duquesne? Yes, Starbucks. That Starbucks that regularly takes hardline leftist political stances. Are you ready? Here's a list of stuff that Starbucks has done and supported. And there's a purpose for me reading this, okay? So hang with me here for a second. This is from an, uh, an organization called Second Vote. I love Second Vote. It's secondvote.com, second with the number two. So 2ndvote.com. They research essentially every company you can imagine on every issue that might be of interest to you. They're from a conservative uh, perspective, so they their, their ranking system is based on how, uh, how conservatives would think. Um, so they, they rank organizations on a level of one to five on a variety of issues like the Second Amendment, the environment, marriage, life, education, uh, immigration, religious liberty, uh, with, uh, with one being liberal and five being conservative. So let me tell you about Starbucks, how they've ranked Starbucks and what they have found. When it comes to the Second Amendment, Starbucks prohibits law-abiding gun owners from carrying weapons into their stores. Hmm. Starbucks supports the National Urban League, which supports a full repeal of Stand Your Ground. On the environment, Starbucks is a corporate partner of the Environmental Defense Fund, which supports cap and trade. It's also a member of the Ceres Bicep Project, which is a business coalition that supports cap and trade. And Starbucks support the 2015 Paris climate deal. On marriage, this may come as a shock to basically no one, but are you ready? Starbucks received a score of 100 on the Human Rights Campaigns Foundation's Corporate Equality Index. Now, you might say, oh, well, that sounds good. The Corporate Equality Index from the Human Rights Campaign is specifically defined as rating workplaces on lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender equality. Starbucks served as the 2016 Human Rights Campaign's dinner sponsor... And is, in fact, the human rights campaigns, uh, and or rather the human rights campaign, is the nation's largest supporter of same-sex marriage. Starbucks also supported the Supreme Court ruling favoring same-sex marriage. And Starbucks supports the National Urban League, which also supports same-sex marriage. On the issue of life, Starbucks is listed as a company that matches gifts to Planned Parenthood. Matches gifts from Susan G. Coleman, New York, City, or New York City and Minnesota chapters. And it contributes to United Way chapters that donate to Planned Parenthood. And contributes to Girls Incorporated, a group supporting, quote, a woman's right to choose. On education, Starbucks supports the National Urban League, which supports Common Core. It's also a corporate sponsor of the Bipartisan Policy Center, an organization that advocates for the implementation of Common Core standards. On immigration, Starbucks supports organizations, which are members of the Leadership Conference on Civil and Human Rights, which advocates for sanctuary cities. Starbucks is also a top donor to the Association of the Advancement of Mexican Americans, which is an affiliate of La Raza, which also advocates for sanctuary cities. 
on religious liberty. Starbucks was a part of a group of companies opposing religious liberty protections in Indiana in 2015. And once again, Starbucks served as the main sponsor for the Human Rights Campaign's dinner in 2016. And the Human Rights Campaign, quote-unquote, is the nation's largest opponent to religious liberty. So that's, that's Starbucks political views in a nutshell from Second Vote. Now, let's look at what Second Vote has found about Chick-fil-A. On the Second Amendment, Chick-fil-A allows, or, or follows rather, local and state laws regarding the lawful carrying of firearms in its stores. It doesn't have any nationwide policies or guidelines prohibiting the carrying of permitted concealed weapons in the restaurants. It just follows whatever is the local or state law is the law which applies to their store. Period. The end. On the environment, no information is found to indicate advocacy for or against environmental issues. On life, no information is found to indicate advocacy for or against life issues. On education, no information is found to indicate advocacy for or against education issues. On immigration, no information is found to indicate advocacy for or against immigration issues. On religious liberty, no information is found to indicate advocacy for or against religious liberty. But on the issue of marriage... Chick-fil-A contributes to the Windshape Foundation, an organization who strengthens marriages from a biblical worldview. So for Chick-fil-A, Second Vote has found no information on a plethora of political issues. The only thing that we know for a fact is that Chick-fil-A supports an organization which supports the biblical definition of marriage period, the end. So we have a Starbucks on campus, a highly political organization. And then we have people wanting to bring a Chick-fil-A onto campus, an organization which has very, very little political involvement, And the students are like, Chick-fil-A is endangering our safe space. Which, by the way, did you remember the the article from the student government uh, association meeting? The reason they have a problem with Chick-fil-A is because they say they have a questionable history on civil rights and human rights. My question is this then. If Chick-fil-A endangers a safe place how then does starbucks also not violate a safe space i mean i'm guessing that there are a few people at duquesne who are pro-life and who maybe don't support common core and and maybe they they support gun rights and yet somehow somehow these individuals manage to coexist with a starbucks on the same campus as they are I mean, imagine it. They can survive and even thrive in the same place as an organization that doesn't agree with their political beliefs. They might even purchase their products so they don't agree with everything Starbucks stands for. Or they may choose not to buy from Starbucks due to their political differences. I mean, it's almost like freedom or something. Chick-fil-A shouldn't be any different. No one's forcing you to go there. You have a lot of options. And apparently, based on the fact that Starbucks is also on campus, it is possible 
to exist in the same general portion of the globe as an organization with whom you disagree politically. Earth-shattering truth right there. I know. If it takes you a few minutes to process that, I'll, I'll wait. Actually, I won't because I don't have time to wait. But you can listen to the podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud if you would like to rehear that segment. So that's number one. No one's forcing you to go to Chick-fil-A if it comes. And number two, if you, if you choose to go and eat more chicken, when you walk up to the Chick-fil-A Express, I, I don't know if you're aware, but there's not going to be a sign posted somewhere that says, we hate gay people. I guarantee it. Walk into any Chick-fil-A in America and you will not see any signs that say they hate gay people or that only straight people are served there or or, or you're not going to find that employees are told to turn off their signature politeness and smiles based on your sexual persuasions. It doesn't happen. So it seems then that this is a much, much more problematic thing for the students. The problem is on the student side and it's not on Chick-fil-A side. Chick-fil-A isn't forcing you to eat your food, and they treat you exactly the same regardless of if you're gay or straight. They have no signs up saying negative things about you. So how exactly does having a Chick-fil-A on your campus violate your safe space? Because once upon a time, their owner said something you disagree with? Because they hold a different view about marriage than you do? I mean, if this is going to completely cripple your ability to function as a human being and to complete your college studies? Newsflash. If that is, in fact, the case, then you shouldn't be in college, my friend. Period. Get out. You need to move somewhere far, far away. Build yourself a tiny house and grow your own food. Because if people having a different opinion than you makes you not be able to do life, then you're never going to be able to do life. But if you're, Now, if your problem is that people say that the gay lifestyle is sinful and you don't like that, well, that's another conversation. But Chick-fil-A itself is an organization that's supporting traditional marriage, and that's what we're talking about today. Which, by the way, brings me to my third point. So point number one, no one's forcing you to go eat food there. Although, based on everything else that I read about your on-campus dining, it would probably be a good option for you. Number two, there's zero hate being generated by the Chick-fil-A Express. If you do go there, there's no signs, no nasty employees. And number three, this is not only a private school, Duquesne University, it is a Catholic school. A Catholic, Catholic, Catholic school. And what I find ironic is that this, this student body uh, senator who proposed the resolution to have Chick-fil-A not come to Duquesne, his statement said, I think it's imperative the university chooses to do business with organizations that coincide with the university's missions and expectations. <laughs> do you realize you attend a private Catholic school? I mean, last time I checked, private schools are, you know, private. And they can choose to support one particular ideology over another if they want to. And it's a Catholic school. And the Catholic Church, to this point, has been an ardent supporter of traditional marriage. So the very fact that you're attending a Catholic school should be an affront to all your sensibilities if Chick-fil-A is that offensive to you. 
Do you, do you get what I'm saying here? You're going to a Catholic school. The Catholic faith is opposed to same-sex marriage. In fact, it makes really no qualms about this issue if you look at it uh, from a hor- historical uh, perspective. We have pope after pope after pope that has talked about this. CNSnews.com has a has a, a piece um St. Pope John Paul II and Pope Benedict on gay marriage. Clear and emphatic opposition is a duty. That's a quote. In addition to Catholics in general having a duty to clearly oppose homosexual marriage, a Catholic politician, quote, has a moral duty to express his opposition clearly and publicly and to vote against such unions. And if it is already is the law, the politician still must oppose it and has a duty to witness to the truth. The common good requires that laws recognize, promote, and protect marriage as the basis of the family, the primary unit of society, said Pope John Paul II and uh, Pope Benedict. In the March 2003 document, considerations regarding proposals to give legal recognition to unions between homosexual persons. Legal recognition of homosexual unions or placing them on the same level as marriage would mean not only the approval of deviant behavior with the consequence of making it a model in present day society, but would also obscure basic values which belong to the common inheritance of humanity. The church cannot fail to defend these values for the good of men and women and for the good of society itself. The letter begins by explaining that, quote, homosexuality is a troubling moral and social phenomenon, and especially so where gay unions are given legal recognition and include the possibility of adopting children. The considerations, it states, provide arguments drawn from reason which could be used by bishops in preparing more specific interventions for protecting and promoting the dignity of marriage, the foundation of the family, and the stability of society, of which marriage between one man and one woman is a constitutive element. No ideology can erase from the human spirit the certainty that marriage exists solely between a man and a woman, said St. John Paul II and Pope Benedict. Men and women are equal as persons and complementary as male and female, they wrote. Through marriage, a man and woman use the sexual faculty to become one flesh and potentially produce children. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and clings to his wife and they become one flesh, reads the letter, adding that God, quote, bless the man and the woman with the words, be fruitful and multiply. Therefore, in the creator's plan, sexual complementary and fruitfulness belong to the very nature of marriage. Given the natural complexity between the man and the woman and the procreative potential of their union through marriage, there are absolutely no grounds for considering homosexual unions to be in any way similar or even remotely analogous to God's plan for marriage and family. Marriage is holy while homosexual acts go against the natural moral law, states the letter. And it goes on. It's very, very clear the Catholic position on this issue. And some would argue, well, it doesn't matter what Pope John Paul II or Pope Benedict had to say because now we have Pope Francis and he is more lenient on the issue and so on and so forth. Well, let's talk about that for a second. Once upon a time, Pope Francis said, who am I to judge when asked about those who practice a gay lifestyle? In the Pope, in, a, in a book the Pope released last year, actually it wasn't uh, it wasn't Pope he released a book he released, but it, this book quoted Pope Francis talking to an Italian journalist about his famous quip, and it said this. He said, 
On that occasion, I said this, if a person is gay and seeks out the Lord and is willing, who am I to judge that person? I was paraphrasing by heart the catechism of the Catholic Church, where it says that these people should be treated with delicacy and not be marginalized. I am glad that we are talking about homosexual people, because before all else comes the individual person in his wholeness and dignity. And people should not be defined only by their sexual tendencies. Let us not forget that God loves all his creatures and we are destined to receive his infinite love. And you say, well, see, see, Catholics are loving and tolerant. Well, yeah, I would say that they are. But they still don't agree that that gay marriage is is right. Pastor Josh Tice, if you live out in Las Vegas, well, regardless, you can, I, I don't remember what the title of it is. Uh, it's a question and answer session. You can go watch it on Southern Hills uh, Vimeo dot count, which is like Vimeo dot com slash. I think it's a S H Baptist maybe, but you can Google it. But Pastor Josh Tice has an excellent sermon where he talks about this issue. He talks about identifying an individual or identifying the individual rather than labeling an individual, because we should not be identified by or identify others by their sin. You're not a gay person. You're a person. If my inclination is toward laziness, I don't introduce myself as, hi, I'm lazy. No. And I I don't parade around with with lazy pride signs. That's not how it works. It's simply something in my life that I work on, but it doesn't define me. And I believe that's where Pope Francis is heading with his remarks. And I could be wrong, but I think that what he's saying is we have a responsibility to recognize individuals as individuals. Red, yellow, black, white, gay or straight, adulterer, adulterer, thief. Each of us is a sinner in need of Jesus and reconciliation with God. And it's that simple. That doesn't mean that we have to embrace the sin or encourage the sin or be okay with the sin. But it does mean we have love for those who commit sin just as Jesus loved sinners. And we don't have to support gay marriage to show Jesus' love to those who are involved in a gay lifestyle. So that's my three-point take on the Chick-fil-A on campus fiasco. Let's recap. Number one, no one's forcing you to eat more chicken. You can do it if you want to. Go to someplace else on campus or off campus. I already demonstrated that there are 11 other locations for you to eat on campus with a variety of food choices. And over 200, according to TripAdvisor, over 200 Dining establishments in the general area around Duquesne University. Chick-fil-A does not have to be the place where you eat. Nobody's forcing you to go there. Number two, if you do choose to eat there, no one's going to call you out or hold up signs or violate your safe space. And if you feel that that is a violation of your safe space because some organization disagrees with your thought and you just can't handle that and function in life, then you shouldn't be in college. You you, you, You need to go live somewhere by yourself. Because people are never going to agree with everything you think, and you need to figure out how to deal with that. That's part of growing up. And lastly, number three, you're attending a Catholic school. A Catholic school. If Chick-fil-A is offensive to you because they support traditional marriage, you need to take a step back and look around you. You're at a Catholic school. You you are literally saying you want the university to do business. This is in your statement. 
You want the university to do business with organizations that coincide with the university's missions and expectations. Well, guess what? You're at a Catholic school. Catholics support traditional biblical marriage. You got way bigger problems than Chick-fil-A if you can't associate with an organization that supports traditional marriage because that's the school you go to. So maybe that publicly funded university was the way for you to go after all if you got a problem with traditional marriage. And that's my take on that issue. Yes, I've I've been sitting on that one. <laughs> I've been sitting on that one for a couple of days. Could you tell? Could you tell? Join us for church tonight, 7 p.m. here at 6501 West Lake Mead Boulevard, Liberty Baptist. We're right across from the Best Buy and the Best of the West Shopping Plaza. Actually, we're not right across. That's kind of a lie. We're like kitty corner to it. Where did that phrase come from? I need to look that up. We're going to find out. 7 p.m., though. You should join us. If you're doing our continued discipleship program, that will resume this evening. So be sure to bring your workbook along with you. And then join us Sunday morning at 9.30 or 11.15. We're back to our regularly scheduled services and uh, connections or Sunday school classes. So uh, if you usually come for 8.30 class, that will resume this Sunday. We will not have an 8 a.m. service. We're back to 9.30 and 11.15. So be sure to join us for church on Sunday. Bring your friends, your family, your kids with you we don't yet have a uh, pet nursery so you would want to leave the dogs and cats and things at home for now maybe eventually we'll we'll progress to that point but at this point uh we don't but bring your kids we do have <laughs> we do have programs for your kiddos and uh kids and adults all ages everyone is welcome we would love to have you with us and that's all the time that i have left for today i appreciate you being with us being with me specifically because really all I know is that you're listening and I'm here so it could be just the two of us I don't know I don't know it's like so thank you for being here with me because I'm the only one here until we come up with a name for my fake producer which I'm taking votes on if you have a name for my fake producer so I can start uh, referring to the producer that I speak to randomly at times that doesn't exist you can let me know what you think and I'll pick the best name. And that way when I have issues like my static happening earlier, I can just, I can just blame the fake producer. But for now, we're going to go out to Charles Billingsley with Jesus Only Jesus. Hope you have a fantastic day. And hope you'll join us again tomorrow. Same time, same place here on KVXL 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio from Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas.